0: Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Another episode of the Convo Lounge podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Bakang Tabiso Dumet. We are continuing to build our community online. So follow us on our social media platforms, Convo Lounge Africa, and I get an industry research report that we are publishing Every month on the Convo Lounge uh, communities. Uh, thank you very much for being here. And uh, today we are going to be having uh, yet another conversation around issues of research and how research is being used to solve societal problems or problems within our economy. This is how we go on here at Convo Lounge uh, to showcase the high value talent that we have here in Botswana who are working on these different uh, solutions. And today I have. A PhD scholar, a PhD fellow, somebody who has been in the field of research for quite some time. And I'm going to allow her to introduce herself and tell us a bit of a background of how she got to be in, uh, to take this uh, part with her career. Thank you very much for joining us, Natasha. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So my name is Natasha. Uh, my first name is onalena And I didn't know this until I had to get an injection as a, as a kid Okay. And then Haka, we don't mind. They were like, okay, oh, by the way, your name is Onalena. So my name is Onalena Natasha okay. Muraka. Yeah. And I Now am... No, maybe
0: when you, when you became a city girl, you're like, nah, like I'm Natasha. Yeah. I'll stick to Natasha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So I am from Sabina, but I grew up mostly in Gaborone. I've lived in Tlokweng since I was in from 2 and before that, around extension four, So right now I am a PhD student uh, based at the Botswana Harvard AIDS Institute partnership. I have registered with the University of Botswana. I recently got my MSc degree in medical virology and I have a BSc in um, BSc general science which was in uh, biology and chemistry. So um, yeah mostly I do research on infectious diseases but I also can do some research and Statistical analysis, bioinformatical analysis, phylogenetics, you know, the research works. Yeah.
0: Has this always been that career path that you've always wanted to take? You know, an interest in uh, sciences or you just find yourself, uh, your parents telling you, you should go to school and uh, oppa say your maths and your sciences because that's how you're going to become a doctor.
1: (laughs) Well, the answer is yes and no. I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was very interested in doing civil engineering or industrial engineering. And then physics humbled me. Yeah, First year BSc, I got a 50% and I told my mother, you know what? I think I'm done with physics. (laughs) So, and then um, really when I was in high school, I really loved physics. I passed it. Everything was good and gravy. I also really liked biology, but I felt like it was too many terms, too much cramming, too much... Um, too many systems to look into but as I continued with my first year of BSc then that's when I developed my passion for doing anything basic science biology related. So I think uh, by the year year two I, I focused into doing a double major of biology and chemistry and that's when my passion for virology and looking at microorganisms actually you know
0: yeah. sprouted you, you you just mentioned um your mother uh having you know those conversations with your mother have you always had those conversations about your career or about your academics uh with your parent or just talk about that yeah mm. so my
1: mom is an academic yeah my mom has an mba my mom did it she's one of the first women to do it at the university of botswana and she also um, was the head of ICT at Personal Insurance Company for a very long time. Okay. So she she loves IT. My sister is public admin, political law, all those things that I don't understand. Mm. And that because I like, like, I get like a science. So I'm always confusing people yeah. about what, what I'm doing, including my own family. So yes, we've had those conversations. Obviously, being raised by a single parent, they want what's best for you. So they They push you to do your passion i don't think my mother drove me towards biology and medical virology but she did drive me towards wanting to better myself because i was inspired by her
0: yeah yeah now let's get into how then you got to uh, venture or specialize into um, the kind of research that you uh, do right now uh, looking at to after you have done or completed your studies um, why get into infectious um, diseases research
1: Okay so mm. my journey began at UB. Yeah. Um the fourth year of BSc you have to do a research project. So I approached uh, Dr. Timaako Johnston. Uh she's at Baylor College College of Education Texas something. Right now and she's the one who linked me with the Botswana Harvard partnership. So I met Doctor Simani Razizi with there and um I guess he was impressed by my presentation and then I got to do my undergrad there. Yeah. So when you get to such an establishment, uh you get to learn a lot already. Hell, I just putting in the deep and you have to figure out what it- HIV, amazing. Yeah. It gets overwhelming, but over time you get to learn. And there's this thing of mentorship. Getting a good mentor is something that kind of sparks your interest. Okay, this man. Yes. So for me as a scientist, I think I've always have had an inquisitive mind.
0: And when you get to, you're talking about um, getting from your varsity and getting into. Um, such a place to continue on doing your research. And at the time when you were doing your research for your final year, what were you looking at or the topic that you wanted to research on at that time, right? Were you looking at something that could get you a quick good marks? Uh, Because I believe that a majority of us really um, would be there to solve something quickly so we can get a good mark and get a grade and get a degree without actually having to research something that would bring value to the economy to the industry
1: yeah so it, for me this is a very weird story because yeah. it's linked to something very personal but in a way it's like if you're if you are if you're spiritual yes. so i lost one of my um baby, her baby, baby cousins her yes. Her mom passed away and then you know and she was diagnosed with hiv yeah and we do't know what laying day in day out in in and out of hospital, yes, and then lo and behold, in my fourth year, I got this interest in looking at pediatric HIV and you know kids' immune systems are very weak and brittle, and it's yes. very hard for you to be pumping um, antiretrovirals in a child because yes. you might shut down the organs, stuff like that. So I wanted to find out what are the best dose to give kids how do the immune responses develop as they grow and and so on and so forth and. Yeah. That was my proposal. Yeah. But you know, sometimes how an plan is and things change. Yes. I ended up looking into a different type of proposal because of lack of samples. So I went and looked at one of the genes that is upregulated. Um, it's expressed more when a person is diagnosed with HIV and yes. the HIV infection drives the gene to kill the cells yeah. within the body as a protective mechanism. So I looked at, okay, so for people who are now recently infected, Versus two years down the line, what are the levels of expression of this gene and how does that impact um, the clinical outcomes? So clinical outcomes can be CD4 count, I get an yes. HIV it infects the CD4 cells and viral load, amount of virus in your blood. So that's what I was looking at in undergrad. And then potentially I developed other proposals that went back to what? Pediatric HIV. Yes. And that was my MSC project. I was yes. the first person to look at pediatric HIV drug resistance within the country and how okay. that can inform policy to test and screen for HIV drug resistance in kids. Because you know that parents sometimes, by the time they, they um, mothers, by the time they transmit the virus to the child, that means their viral load is very high. Yes. And this could be because maybe they didn't know, they didn't test, they were not on antiretrovirals yet, and then that will affect the medicine that you can give to the child. Yes.
0: So. Yeah. So was it then um, a pilot of the study that you were doing or there actually is a way in which it's currently is being um, implemented to inform policies like you'd mentioned?
1: So the end goal for most research is evidence-based research. Yes. To change policy. Yes. So mine was a bit of a pilot. There are other studies that are going on that complement that work and eventually the policies are bound to change. This is why we have new antiretrovirals being introduced in the country. People used to have 5,000 pills. Now they only have one a day. So these are some of the things that, you know, when you have a baseline, because there's a major gap, despite all the work that is done in these individual institutions, there's a major gap in infectious disease research within the country because of several factors. But Mm -hmm. um, I think having that baseline information helps.
0: And what are some of those factors or the challenges that you are experiencing in doing this line of work um, in, in actually getting to achieve the goal that you're trying to, to reach?
1: So most of them were infrastructure. I'm yeah. saying where, because since COVID, people are just like, ah, let's enter. you guys, <laughs> now you see now what you're doing. Yeah. So it it really does help. We get a lot of external funding. Yeah. And now even the ministry is sensitized to say, okay, we need high range equipment in yes. order to do such research
0: so now let's get into um you, the current work that you are doing um in terms of your research for your a doctorate all right um i think you continue on the same path of bringing in trying to find solutions uh, to the different problems around in infectious um, diseases uh, what is the current uh, study that you are undertaking and how are you going about it Okay,
1: so my PhD research right now, I call it the Te Kudiso study. Yes. It's actually a thing. Um, we're getting uh, ethics approval soon. Yes. So, okay. we are targeting people who are newly diagnosed with HIV yes. within the Botswana setting. Botswana is one of the best countries in terms of antiretroviral therapy. Yes. So you'll wonder who is still transmitting. Yes. So identifying these people who are now getting infected, even though people are taking their drugs and virally suppressed, you know, There's this uh, 95 95 95 targets by the UNAIDS to say by the year 2030, we should have eliminated transmission. Botswana has surpassed that. Yes, we are the, the top three in the continent. Yeah. So it's we are at 95 98 98, which is 95% of the Botswana population know that status, 98% are on treatment, and then 98% are virally suppressed. So that ninety-five, why is it so low? Yeah. Why don't people know that status? Yeah. So you identify those people, um, look at the hotspots, and then look at targeted prevention and targeted uh, disease management. Yeah. yeah. So the study overall is looking at one from a public health point of view: who are the people who are still getting this? How can we fix it? And then from a virology type of point of view what are the characteristics of the virus itself that predispose people to getting infected in this era
0: yes and when we look at um the different um in terms of the industry in itself or the economy in itself um infectious diseases um what impact could it possibly have in in bringing down you know the the economy or getting the economy not to strive a, in the length which we would have wanted or hoped for it to thrive in? Mm.
1: Um, health yes. is a measure of development. Yes. You will see that... The yes. Africa and you'll see that you have a lot of outbreaks yes. of disease. You have a lot of outbreaks in children. you have a lot of outbreaks caused by um, environmental factors. Yes. So that in itself... Um, uh, what do you mean affects the economy yes. because you have one the sick person has to take days of work yes. the person taking care of that person has to take days of work so you're having a dent in human um, capital yes and then also the there's a word that they use these economic economists uh mm. it's called how to trade openness something like that yeah. For a, you will not want to trade with a country that has a bad health reputation because you are risking infection. So, for example, with COVID, you shut down a lot of borders and then obviously you're not getting money in and out of the country. And this is due to a lot of viral um, and other microorganism uh, pandemics and epidemics.
0: All right, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, we are going to continue more conversation here with Miss Natasha Moraka. Uh, just to talk about her work in researching around infectious diseases, this is the Convo Lounge podcast. Remember to get uh, in contact with us on plus or follow us using the hashtag Africa on our different social media platforms.
1: Convo Lounge: expression, exposure, experience.
0: Right. Welcome back to this episode of the Convo Lounge podcast, where we are having a conversation with Miss Natasha Moraka to talk about her work in infectious um, diseases research. And uh, when you mentioned earlier on, you did say that there has been people who have been instrumental in shaping your career in the form of mentorship. Uh, take us through that journey. Um, who got to identify who? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, like I mentioned earlier, I was identified by Dr. Johnston, who um, introduced me to Dr. Simani Hasitiwi. He was then the director at the BHP. And then I got to meet Dr. Sikuli Lemoyo, the one who discovered Omicron with his team. Mm. And then I got to meet uh, my other mentors like uh, Professor Shaheen Lockman at the Harvard AIDS Institute um, or the Harvard School of Public Health. And she's like one of the best people in the world, honestly. Um, so these, uh, mentors that I have are multiple and I even have mentors who are younger than me. Hey, um, mentorship uh, is not necessarily having a boss. Yeah. It's having someone who believes in you and wants to help you achieve whatever goal that you have. So I have a lot of mentors for different things. For example, I go to church. I have a person who I can speak to who's younger than me right now. I go to work and I have mentors at that workplace, but all these things groom me towards, what I want to achieve, which is bettering public health, you know, combating nice. infectious diseases. Because we tend to think that, that Armageddon, for example, is going to be a big flame. It could just be just one tiny virus leveling a population. Yeah. So I think mentorship is like raising a child. It takes a village, really. And yeah. I, I really want to thank them for the journey that they helped me through. And I, I'm still... 1% there.
0: Yes. And what do you think is the risk to getting, a, having a successful mentorship relationship with someone, right? Um Getting to be um, hand picked from uh, multiple other people and actually getting to maintain um, that mentorship or that relationship with uh, between a mentor and a mentee.
1: I think um, this question comes up a lot when people ask me why, why, why do your bosses help you with, with school? Yeah. So it's, it's really just roles. You know, you mm-hmm. have to understand your role as a person. You are interviewing me. Yes. You have to know what I'm saying. You yes. have to know what I'm sharing. And then we have to have a conversation. So this happens with mentorship. Mm-hmm. You, you identify a mentor. You cannot vibe with someone. Yes. For example, you find that, okay, this person is brilliant on paper. Then you meet them and your attitudes don't match. Yes. So, openness, open mindedness, yes. and communication. Yes. If there's, yeah, the lines that can't be crossed, but yes. you have to have seamless conversation between you and your mentor and understand your roles, perform them well. Yeah. It really doesn't take much to be a scientist. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. Yes. <laughs> All you have to do is just do your part. Yes. Mm. Be inquisitive, learn from people, be yeah. open minded to learning from everyone around you. Yes. So I think that's what establishes a good mentorship
0: relationship. And there's always, a, a, there's oftentimes a talk about, like I mentioned earlier on our academic research or academic assignments at, at school, we do it to just um, get marks and not really look at issues that would contribute to uh, the economy. Like for example, now with the Conver Lounge, what we want to do is to encourage research that actually has some sort of impact in the, Um, economy right so that perhaps maybe we could work on a research that is going to bring solutions to a product of a certain company or getting an employment opportunity for another young person and i think for us to achieve that we need to groom the next generation of researchers in our country especially that Botswana is trying to move towards a knowledge-based economy and I'm just wondering if it's something that you are contributing to and if at all you are, how are you contributing to grooming the next generation of researchers?
1: Okay, It's a tough <laughs> one. Yeah. I have mentored uh, some of the undergraduate students who come for attachment, who come in through the way I came in. You, know, yes. you identify a supervisor and then someone will say, okay, I look at Harvard, if you want to do this particular thing, that's what you would do. The other person goes to vet lab, the other one goes to TB lab and so on and so forth. So I've mentored people from proposal stage, not knowing what is HIV up until they have their own project. They do it themselves. I always tell them, How are your strengths and weaknesses? similar to COVID, I was one of the peop- first people to start testing for COVID within the country. I was in the national testing team. So when more people came in because we needed more effort, they came in, with just maybe looking look at medical lab science. So you have to mentor them and be patient with them and help them learn so that even when they do these experiments, they don't do any mistakes and they don't work out of fear. So I think um, that's how I think I've contributed a little bit. I've had people on Facebook asking me, how do I go about it? I'll send you my personal um drafts that I've had and tell you, okay, no me highlight on let this background, apply for this thing, and I think this person would be better suited to help you. So I think that's my little contribution to us yeah. towards uh raising the next scientist. And
0: I think um uh, mentioning that in terms of the skills that you need to um develop in you, um there's often times a talk about tertiary students or graduates, the skills that they learn not really being applicable to uh, the industry right now. What are those that you need to have in you to strive in the infectious um, diseases uh, uh, research uh, online?
1: Okay. So, so far, we have a lot of sequencing being done. We have a lot of biostatistics and we have a lot of, um, you know, testing microorganisms. It's very wide. Microbiology is very wide. Yeah. So you have to identify your niche. You You can't go into looking into TB, thinking you're going to do an analyzer. For example, you have to look at the organism of interest and be open-minded, like I said. Again yeah. and again, just be willing to learn. All yeah. the skills that you learn at varsity, especially at the University of Botswana, not that gababokatata. <laughs> all the skills, you'll find that in this one point in time, even though yes. you will, you're going to find a need for that. And there's always room for growth. Yeah. So learn everything you can. Look at what you're comfortable with. Um, microbiology is all about measuring very, very, very small um uh, volumes of stuff, yeah, so you need to know how to handle your shaking, you know sometimes people shake for various reasons, and those are some of the skills that you learn while you're in university, but because it's so many people doing the same thing, how will you just be chilling at the back with it? It's a music group project. when yes. you get into the work environment, it's going to show so when you get into a work environment, be open minded to say, okay. So the skills cannot be specific. There's so many. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then in terms of the people, uh, students who are currently are, you know, doing research or are doing or finding interest in this line of work, your infectious um, diseases research, what could be that advice um, which you can give them? Where the starting point would be to getting into um, such an industry i understand um right now there's so many young people who are applying um, to go to varsity Um, do i don't know if they now understand um what it is that they are looking to study or they're just looking at their qualifications to say hey <laughs> let me just get a thing i'll see where, where we get to yeah
1: mm. a lot of the people who we started with yeah Left. Yeah. Semester one.
0: <laughs> I'm not even going to lie.
1: All the pre-med. I used to think I wanted to do medicine. Yes. I applied.
0: Yeah.
1: I beg- And then I thought, oh, okay, I'm not good enough. But then in the end, I, feel, I realized that this is actually not what I wanted to do. I yes. can't handle blood. I can't handle... I want it in a test tube, not on the present. You know? So... If you get to varsity, be open-minded. I'll keep repeating the same thing again, because yeah. that's how I think I got where I, where I am today. Yes. You are never going to learn enough. Yes. And also you can't um, learn what you already know. Yeah. Right? So someone said that to me the other day it was profound because I was struggling. So you will find your niche if you open your mind and say, okay, this, I, this is my strong suit and this is not. I can't say there's a handbook to say, come and do science if you are doing science and you feel like okay i want to go and do business it's really okay yeah
0: Yeah. and you did mention earlier on that science is a very easy thing to do but statistics (laughs) would show like you're saying bsc at ub is one of the courses that has the highest fds or dropouts at the first semester where where do people get it wrong
1: (laughs) people get it wrong by thinking with the form five mentality yeah when you get to institutions like that, like you be like, be used in Botswana, there's a lot of self-teaching that you have to do. So develop that culture of learning on your own. Independent learning is very important, I think, in many aspects. Yeah. So this is why people thrive. They learn and find out, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. Go for mentorship. Talk to people. Yeah. And also there's a lot of anxiety and pressure that comes with starting in the science field Yes, across the board. Yeah. So... It's okay to struggle. It's okay mm-hmm. to find it hard. It's okay to FD and come back. Yeah. So the, the, also the passion has to be there.
0: Yeah.
1: I always tell my students, uh-huh, I have students like <laughs> I always tell my students, it has to come from you. I can tell you what to do and you'll do it. Yes. But if you don't want to do it, it's never going to be something you're going to go- want to continue with and also teach the next generation of students. So I think yeah, being a scientist is all about the passion, wanting to help, wanting to find solutions. And being open-minded.
0: Yes. But in terms of the future, um, when we look at uh, the infectious diseases industry or research, uh, what potential do you see it having in actually bringing a difference to the economy right now?
1: It's already happening. Yeah. Right now, the ministry is sensitized. COVID has really switched the board in terms of research. Infectious disease research needs robust machinery. It needs researchers. It needs people who understand the subject matter. So right now we have high-quality machines being donated uh, from Western companies, some even being bought by the ministry. The National um, Public Health Lab is now having maybe four or five detection machines. Um, detection is another topic and podcast on its own. So, you know, you machinery um infrastructure and also human capital yeah. investing in that can help make the most difference preparedness of a country yes. is the reason why they don't get as hard hit as they do in low to middle income countries so you'll find that when covid hit in south africa they shut down productions and everything but then that didn't really shake them as much and then when it came here you a lot a lot went down yeah. we were not prepared by the time it was Post Delta. Yeah. We used to work double shift. You would find a sample at the border, it comes here to Harbor goes back to Libata overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine how much that is making, pulling money out of the uh, the ministry, pulling money out of the companies. Yeah. So I think yeah, um investing in infrastructure and researchers can help make yeah. much difference. And I guess
0: with that enabling environment being created, um it's just only is for us to look at those opportunities and tap into them as young people to see how then we could um, develop ourselves uh, to align to the different opportunities that would be available um, for, for young people there. Just as a parting um, words from you, uh, what would be your last words to encourage uh, a young person listening in right now uh, onto the Convo Lounge podcast to seize the opportunities? that would actually be presented. Um, like you mentioned, um, there has been, you know, that difference that has been brought uh, around the health industry in our country. And that means that there's going to be uh, so many opportunities that are going to come. Um, how do they identify such opportunities and actually align uh, to those opportunities?
1: The internet is your friend. <laughs> the internet is your friend and science is So the encouragement that I would have for young people is just always look for opportunities, look for mentors, talk to the next person. You won't lose anything by just sending out an email. I have a student right now who literally sent me a message, text message. It's just, you got my number from the Stellan Watch website. Yeah. And now she's doing her internship at the company that I work at because I saw this person has potential. So let's give her an attachment so that she learns. Yeah. So I think that would be the advice that I'm going to give people. And remember that even Einstein was a child at yeah. one point. You yes. understand? You start from a young age, you become inquisitive here you are presenting who would have thought, you probably thought you were going to do maybe agriculture. Yes. You understand? Could be a soldier. So you, Imagine. <laughs> you know, it's, it can still happen. Yeah. So when you grow up, you just keep learning as much as you can. Yeah. And remember that even the people you look up to started where you are now.
0: Fantastic and powerful. Thank you very much for this conversation, Natasha, and all the best uh, with your future endeavors. And I guess that uh, we will continue to have these conversations and see how we can further develop um, the young people who are upcoming to gather a more interest on research. Right? Because at the end of the day, like we're saying, we believe that uh, research is actually the solution that we need to bring down the high numbers of unemployment in our country. And I guess with Convo Lounge, we shall be achieving all of that. Get to interact with us on our social media platforms using the hashtag Africa or the number 267 2 on WhatsApp. Bye. Convo Lounge.
1: Expression, exposure, experience.